0: there everyone, welcome back to Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast. As always, I'm your host Tom McCarthy, so happy to be with you. Happy to be bringing you a terrific show today. We've got Tommy Schneeman. Tommy will be our headliner this weekend at the club. A comic that I did not know a lot about until I did a bit of a deep dive and some research for our conversation that I'm going to bring you and thoroughly enjoyed speaking to him, checking out his stuff. I encourage you to do so. Encourage you to get out to the castle this weekend. I'll give you a little bit more info on Tommy here in a moment. Let's take care of business and do some housekeeping notes. Let's talk about what's going on for this entire week at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, one of the finest comedy clubs in all of America, the week of June 20th. On Wednesday, the 22nd, Kevin James Thornton is in town for one show only. Again, that is at 7.30 p.m. Be a terrific show. Kevin James Thornton. Call the Comedy Castle at 248-542-9900 for ticketing questions. Better yet, go directly to the website, comedycastle.com. You get your tickets right there. And then, as I mentioned, we've got Tommy, Tommy Schneeman in town for four shows. Thursday the 23rd through Saturday the 25th. Thursday will be at 7.30. Friday will be at 7.15. And Saturday at 7 and 9.30 p.m. Remember, this time of year, there are not... Uh, We do not run a show on Friday evening, so if you want to come see Tommy on Friday, come see him early. It'll be fantastic shows. His opener, his feature this week is Tim Smith, a terrific comic that I just became aware of his work through doing a deep dive on Tommy's work. They host a terrific podcast called Roommates in Law, and they also have a web series called Roommates in Law that I can't recommend highly enough. Make sure you check that out. I think you'll get a sense of what Tommy does, what his sensibilities are. Hilarious, hilarious shorts uh, that the two of them do. So we're looking forward to having Tommy and Tim on our stage this weekend. And as if that were not enough, Sunday, the 26th, kind of a rare Sunday show, especially for this time of year. we got the great Demetrius Fields. He'll be doing the show at 7.30 p.m., one show only on Sunday, the 26th. Again, call The Castle at 248-542-9900. Go directly to the website at ComedyCastle.com. Get your tickets right there. It is sweltering hot here in Metro Detroit the day I'm recording this week's installment. The thermometer reads 95 degrees. I love it. I love the hot, sticky, sweaty summer weather. Can't get enough of it, but it sure is nice to step inside The air-conditioned cocoon of comedy that is Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Hey, I just riffed that. Pretty impressive. Uh, Air-conditioned cocoon of comedy. Okay. I already teased you with some Tommy stuff. Let me tell you just a little bit more um, about Tommy. Tommy. He's got, um, other than the Roommates-in-Law podcast and web series, you can pull down some pretty cool clips of him. I found a couple clips on uh, YouTube or go directly to uh, his website. Uh, He's one of eight kids. He's got six sisters, kind of a Catholic upbringing, a chaotic Catholic household. Just some real funny uh, stuff on family, religion. Um, really cool, chill, laid back style, uh, but great joke writer, great delivery. And I just really enjoyed talking the nuts and bolts of comedy with him. So I guess that's enough of a setup. Let me step aside and enjoy my conversation with Tommy Schneeman. It's just, yeah, it's just
1: Schneeman, but you know, I get, Sheenemen, I get She-Man. I, you know the middle school bullies were they, they were fond of semen. So uh, yeah, it's it's all over the place.
0: Sounds like it might be. Is is it a German name?
1: It is. It means snowman in German.
0: Oh, very. I'm I'm surprised the Germans would um, throw out a word or a last name that is uh, that is that difficult. It's, it, usually, everything German is so efficient. <laughs> they'll have to revisit that one. Yeah.
1: Usually sounds so
0: cool and romantic. <laughs> it's, you know, what it's—it's it's very topical because I've just been taking German on my phone for the last week. My, my wife and I are going to Bavaria next month. I've never been over. I always say I've—I've I've been to—I've been to Epcot, Germany, but never the real one. So I figured i better <laughs> learn a few phrases. And it's kind of—I know a little bit of French and Spanish, um, German. I actually—I think I've got a decent accent, but oh my gosh, it's such a—the—the the language is so specific, like um you said your name is uh, means snowman yeah like um dachshund. dachshund you know it's dog that <laughs> hunts badgers or something they've got they've yeah, got no yeah, time yeah. for uh needless words huh
1: it is yeah it's kind of cool they they do have a word for everything that's uh i don't know i don't know any german it's uh i never learned it i don't know why but it it's such a uh, kind of gross language. But.
0: <laughs> I think I think some Germans would probably would would probably agree with you too. It's not as <laughs> when you hear somebody speaking French or Spanish near you, it's so beautiful and lyrical that you kind of c- come under oh, a spell. Yeah. German does not have that same effect.
1: Yeah, you're kind of like that. Jesus Christ, what what are you mad about?
0: So. I mentioned in our little pre interview here, uh, setting up our discussion that you're one of the few people who comes on the show that I, that I just wasn't familiar with. So, you know, when Mark gives me the list of, of who I need to speak to, I try and do as deep of a dive as possible, especially if I'm not as familiar with some of their work. And I've got to tell you, I love, I love so much about your stuff. If it's okay. I, I mean, I love your stand up, uh, but we were talking about you've got a really cool web series, uh, and the same name of your podcast. It's called Roommates in Law and. They're sh- and they are truly shorts. They're not five minutes. They're not four minutes. Every one I saw, I think, was under ninety seconds, and they're they're well written, well produced. Kind of tell me how you started that.
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was a project born out of the quarantine. Um, so that I made it with my with one of my best buds, Tim Smith. He's another comic. He's a New York comic now. But we came up together in Chicago, and uh, you know over. When when comedy, when live shows shut down, we were just getting together and honestly just like hanging out and drinking and stuff. And, <laughs> and, and then eventually we started, we just kind of have a brotherly rapport,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, kind of like a little brother, big brother thing. And so we started just writing down some ideas where we were playing brothers. But then I had been crashing with my sister and her husband uh, for a period of that time. So we kind of had that in-law thing and then we wrote out this, uh, this series as, uh, as brothers, um, like adult brothers right. living together. It was called bunk beds. And then, uh, one of our friends was like, no, 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 the, the in-law route is, is more fun. So the, uh, we just started writing them and filming them. We do it all ourselves. Uh, you know, you mentioned they're so short. We, we kind of did that on purpose because. I don't know. I don't have a good attention span. I can hardly watch anything longer <laughs> than a, a couple minutes. So, uh, we just started doing that. We both like acting and we both like, we, you know, we both like to write for TV. So we kind of had that in mind the whole time. We, you know, we kind of are parodying a sitcom the whole time. And just for everyone else listening, the, the premise is that, uh, we are brothers-in-law. He married my sister who is the breadwinner. So it's us at home. Neither of us have a job. And it's us kind of figuring out how to get along. And and the sister, we never see her. She's kind of like a mom in a cartoon. Like, she's just – her presence is, like, implied. But I'm, it's just us.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because I couldn't tell. And that was one of my questions because I made it through six episodes. And And okay. um, – and 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 listen, I don't want our listeners saying, "Oh, oh, geez, way to go, Tom. You're bragging about how well you researched Tommy, and and, and you spent seven minutes going through it. No, I I, I dug into. It. I watched him several times. Uh, by the way, the, the the '90s rom-com writers is my favorite. That's so spot on. But oh, yeah, I felt for only watching six episodes. I actually thought that he did marry your sister uh, because in your act you talk about uh, six sisters. I hope that's not made up too, Tommy.
1: Yeah, that is that one's true. But it's amazing how many people think that he's actually in our family. I had a, uh, a my cousin's husband who is in our family and comes to family events had to clarify with me. He was like, "Wait, is he? He's not in our family, is he?" <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's just completely made up. But it is amazing how many people think that it's real. Well, but, you
0: guys, uh, yeah. you have an incredible, I mean, you have an incredible rapport. I mean, there's a rapport between best, you know, best friends and, and, and your brothers. It's it's almost it's almost Sklar Brothers level, <laughs> the rapport you guys have. Uh, and I gather that from the podcast as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so fun to be honest. Like there was a period during the shutdown where like we just didn't have that much to do. So. Like shooting these things and writing these things were, was like how we hung out and, and how we had fun. It was so like we do it all ourselves. So there's no pressure on set. It's just me and him. We take turns running the cameras and then I edit them. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's kind of a party. It's, it's Cause kind the of... ones where we've had guest stars and then everyone always has so much fun. We just, we just have a blast shooting.
0: Well, oh, I, I was thinking too that. It really is kind of the model now when you think about it. It's not enough anymore to be a solid stand-up. Really, to, to get exposure and to give you the best, yourself the best chance of success in this business now, it's not uncommon that people you know, do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I think what sticks out about what I've seen of your stuff is – your your stand up, the web series, the podcast, and a couple of the parody songs you did during the during the uh, <laughs> pandemic are terrific. Uh, so, I guess with that being said, with that um, with the um, platitudes coming in your way that's a that's a word, right? When you're complimenting somebody, a platitude. I
1: don't, I don't know. Is it
0: German one? Why am I doing it? after four years? I'm trying to impress people with my language. I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow. Uh, giving you credit for what i saw is not one sticks out above the other is oh he's clearly a stand-up who does a little bit of this all of them are good is there one of the particular mediums that you like the best
1: i mean stand-up definitely like i enjoy doing stand-up the most uh i mean it's you know as you know there's, there's not really a better feeling um uh, to me than than stand-up um I would say I, like, as a career, I would love if the money making side was really in writing and producing TV. Right. Like, like, like the web series. Um, that to me, I really love sitting down and writing something and then seeing it kind of come to life mm-hmm. and being involved in the whole process and like, and sometimes it's better than you thought it could have been, and sometimes it's worse. But like that whole, that whole process, I really kind of fell in love with over the past couple of years. Um, but then, just like as far as instant gratitude goes, or gratification—not gratitude—instant gratification, like stand up. Oh yeah, is so much fun. That's why I'm, you know, fully addicted to doing that every night. But uh, the, the the filming and writing and everything is, I. I would say a little bit more like long-term payoff.
0: Well, you think about some of the great stand-ups over time, and especially especially in the 90, '80s and '90s when it was very common to cross over and you'd get a sitcom deal. A lot of yeah. uh, you know, a lot of uh, sitcoms that comics did were them just really, really developing one of their bits into uh, into a moneymaker. And I always thought. Yeah. I mean, I, I love stand up. I love I love writing. I've done a little bit of uh, a little bit of acting. But you you are right when when, when stand up goes well, uh, there isn't a feeling like it. And that's I'm interested to see you at the castle this weekend, because one of the things that first sticks out when when I watch some of your clips is. You are about as chill and relaxed as it gets on stage. Even on the, uh, on the one clip that I pulled from your website and YouTube, you know, you're leaning against the back wall for the first couple minutes and then you, you know, then you move the mic stand out of the way and step forward. Um, is that an intentional style or is that just the way you would? If, if I met your friends and family, would they say that Tommy is a pretty chill guy? So his stand up is a reflection of that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like that's, I'm, I am freaking out up there. <laughs> like I'm, 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 I'm a full nervous wreck, but yeah, I think it's a little bit of a defense mechanism probably is like, I, uh, I lean on the wall or lean on the stool or lean on the mic stand. That's cause like for my first couple of years doing it, I was really conscious of not doing that, but my hands would go insane. Yeah. I was like, I hated how much I talked with my hands. So you'll notice like I, I put my hand in my pocket a lot or lean on the stool or lean on the wall. And that's like all just to channel that energy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of like how I behave with people, I am a pretty low key person. Um, you know, I can, I can get as, as rambunctious bon- as the best of them. But yeah, in general, I am pretty relaxed. It's, it's mostly happening in my brain, uh, and not, quite
0: physically. Well, it's so funny and I always say this on, on the show because we run a couple of different stand-up classes at the um, at the castle beginner oh, yeah. class and advanced class and a lot of the people take the class listen to the podcast because they want they want tips, they want to see how the sausage is made and something as simple as, you know, when you first work up the courage to get on stage and try and put together a 5-minute or 7-minute set, it doesn't occur to you all the other things you need to learn. I remember for the first year and a half or 2 years I didn't know what to do with the microphone in the stand. Am I a guy who just, am I stationary? <laughs> do I just hold on to the stand? I used to prop it up on my foot. And then after about 18 months, I took the mic out of the stand, put the stand away. And now I'm a guy who walks around. It just is natural and it feels better. But just things like that don't occur to you when you're starting. You're like, oh, oh my God, what am I going to do with my hands?
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's hard, it's hard to tell someone what to do too. Like in the classes and stuff, you can't really make that decision for them because it's just whatever works with your style. I mean, there are jokes that literally will hit harder for some people because they left the mic in the stand or because they're doing, yeah, the thing where they hold the stand. I don't know if you've ever seen, I'm sure you have, but Sam Talent, mm-hmm. yep. uh, you know, he's, he's, I think probably the best in the country and he, you know, he holds the stand the whole time. And, uh, and it's funny because he's such a big guy and it, I think it makes his jokes hit harder. But yeah, for me I I just noticed like I was talking with my hands too much. It was distracting. I think it was making some stuff hit a little less hard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you just slowly kind of find it and I don't move too much up there, but yeah, I'm I'm wandering a little bit.
0: Well, it's it's odd that people's material ends up fitting their style or the other way. I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, but very rarely do you see someone who's the physical aspect of their act doesn't fit their material. They just in in time and with practice and and trial and error, you find what works for you. Uh, And you've obviously hit your stride with that. I wanted to ask you, too, before uh, before we moved on and talked a little bit more stand up. Is um, a couple of the songs you put out that, uh, from everything I could gather, they were done during the pandemic, and you may have done them on a whim, but they're they're really solid. I, I, I watched the uh, "Wear a Mask" anthem and also "Living in the Woods," and I will say too, <laughs> I am such a music snob. I hate Auto Tune, but I'm giving you a huge pass. You do it very well. It fits. It, it, <laughs> it fits the songs, but it begs. The first question is did you uh we all had panic attacks with the pandemic did yours actually result in you heading out to the woods somewhere
1: i did yeah i spent the first like four months when chicago shut down in uh in northern minnesota Uh my grandparents had an old place in the woods <laughs> like r- really yeah. really up there tiny town and uh yeah i was i was there by myself for about 40 days wow uh at the start of it and then some of my sisters came up and and we ended up having a few cousins up there and it was it was a really it was was a great way to spend it but that first little section it was kind of the best time of my life and and probably the most mentally confused i ever was and that's when i I wrote that song about living in the woods like (laughs) i was just it there's a an element of creativity that comes out that like you know, most of the ideas I had up there were like insane and not funny. And then like, you know, that one came together in like a day and it's like, I'm kind of more proud of that than most of the other stuff I've done. Uh, cause it was, I recorded it all on like this tiny miniature electric keyboard. And then, uh, and then like I had this really shitty mic. So I, you know, I did what I could to make it sound okay, but it was, it was very fun and that kind of you know kept me busy for two weeks
0: well and, and it really strikes a nerve with what so many of us regardless of how any of us ended up feeling you know six months in a year in 18 months um, even now into the into the pandemic the, the the first 60 to 90 days just challenged you mentally in ways you never I mean I felt it was a fever dream for like the first I was like is this really happening um, agreed. I, I think when we all look back on it, there were some times through the pandemic that I wouldn't trade. I was able to do things I never would have been able to do. I took a two-week uh, road trip with my wife and kids. I never would have been able to do that. I, I watched all wow, 82 amazing. episodes of The Sopranos in four days. I wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, <laughs> There was a lot of good to it, even though it was scary. It, 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 it's just such an odd time. It's still My head still spins
1: i i agree i mean there are people that i became close with i spent more time with my siblings i you know i've got all adult siblings i'm one of eight kids and and we're all over the country and so a bunch of us like ended up kind of gravitating towards minnesota towards back home throughout the pandemic and we spent more time together than we have since we were children so yeah yeah, definitely definitely some plus sides i never would have started the uh the web series with Tim. Um, And uh, yeah, that was, so there was definitely some, some silver linings, but yeah, those early days were just like, it was so odd. It was just like week to week. It would change. The outlook would change of how long it was going to be.
0: You know, it's interesting how our our listeners are probably catching, catching this too, if they listen faithfully, but it is, it's uncanny. How many, comics we have we're going through a run of a lot of people who are originally from Minnesota or got their start in the twin twin cities the the 651 area code comes up quite a bit when mark sends me sends me the contacts <laughs> um, and it's you know i i've been to the twin cities a couple of times i haven't ventured too far outside of the twin cities but it it really has a feel of one of those places where the people are just a little bit different, a little bit quirky. I think it's an amazing city. I always say if it if it were warmer people would move there in mass. It, it really I've enjoyed yeah. my time up there. Did you start in the clubs there or did you uh, kind of cut your teeth in Chicago?
1: Yeah, I actually started in Chicago. So I've never lived in Minnesota as an adult. Once I left for school, uh I I haven't lived there again, um, aside from during the pandemic a little bit, but yeah, I didn't come up there, but I, it's such I love going back and doing shows in Minneapolis and St. Paul. The clubs are great and it's I think you're right. Like people are just a little goofy there. I don't know if it's maybe just growing up like in a pretty big city but surrounded by like the rest of Minnesota is tiny towns. Right, Yep. Yeah. So maybe there's a lot of like everyone knows a small town, everyone knows small town people, so there's like just a different element of quirky plus you have to be a little insane to, to live through the
0: winters yeah, there so the winters are are nuts and that's coming from somebody who's lived a lot of his life most of my life in Michigan <laughs> yeah. it is uh, international it's, it's funny whenever whenever they do the weather reports or continental United States International Falls Minnesota is almost always the coldest place uh, the coldest oh, place, place in the is country. Nuts. Your um, so your act, you, you you touch on um, you touch on family uh quite a bit uh as as you mentioned you're you're one of eight kids, six sisters uh they were your original original bullies um <laughs> do do you do you find that the wealth of material from from a, from family is is endless is it uh if I were to watch more of your bits than what I've seen is there a lot of family stuff in there.
1: Yeah, certainly. Like, I—I I mean, it's it, growing up with a kid, like it—it it was insane. Um, there's like more stories than I've even been able to tap into, because at the same time, you got to try to make things like relatable a little bit. Right. So, it's been interesting. Like when I tell stories, it's always about my family, always about my siblings, about my parents. Like I just—I think my parents are insane. <laughs> they have four kids before my dad was done with med school like that's just that that's one financially like not possible anymore but even when they did it it was crazy um and so yeah there's kind of just like an endless amount of material there just like any subject though there's sometimes where I i love writing about it and i'm like god yeah that was insane and sometimes i'm like all right i think i've done enough on that
0: the whole catholic school angle too although i was raised catholic uh you know did catechism i I think and this is just my judgment thank god i'm a public school kid i I would not have survived in catholic schools but it seems like a lot of comics who had that catholic school upbringing too just have that wit have it's, it's kind of a survival skill i would think
1: i think so there's a lot of repressed feelings for so long and uh you know and you don't I think there's an element of it where you don't question how weird it is for so long. And then the second you're outside of it, you're like, it kind of comes crashing in. And you're right. like, oh, yeah, this this was extremely culty and and weird. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that, I don't know, maybe some of that uh criticism that comes out quicker. Like you're looking at things with a pretty critical view. I have nothing against people that are still catholic or anything like that like what I, I always say i'm like yeah but you still go to church and like get something out of it i'm totally on board with that i do want people i'm like stop donating <laughs> yeah we know what they're spending money on now but it, but uh yeah it's, that uh, is
0: that is almost my exact same belief system is i've never cast judgment i dip my toes in the water when it's convenient you know i do my shower prayers yeah. please but if there's one thing i could change with all churches is take away their tax exemption. Let's see what religion really looks like when, when the cash register stops ringing and it's, it's, I mean, it's
1: all public how much they've spent on, I say this on stage, so spoiler alert, but I always talk about like how much they've spent on, on law settlement for like priest cases. And it's like, it's more money than most large companies make in revenue in a, in a year that they, that they spend on this shit it's like why are you giving them 20 bucks on yeah. Mary you the, know <laughs> what, the clout
0: what the that the, the various archdioceses through you know the big city of america i mean the archdiocese of detroit of detroit the political clout the economic clout how much it shaped most of the first part of last century i mean in in they did a lot of good and still do a lot of good, but there's a lot of sure. diabolical shit involved in that too.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of my whole take on it is like, I don't know. I we have so many relatives and friends that are still like going to church. And I'm like, I got nothing against that. Just like, you know, stop financially supporting them. I, I think it's funny. My family has all kind of stopped going to church, but my parents made us go until we were out of the house. Like until we were 18 basically. Right. By. Yeah. We went every Sunday. So did my parents. And the second my youngest sister graduated high school, my parents stopped going, too. (laughs) And we're like, now we always give them crap. We're like, hey, we didn't want to go either. (laughs)
0: What what were we doing
1: here?
0: Now, I pulled this from one from one of the shorts that I watched. I believe it's the job interview one, which, again, was very well done. Our are you a Notre Dame grad? Did you, did you stay Catholic school? Okay. Well,
1: I went, I went K through college Catholic
0: school. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Wolverine slappy. I didn't go to U of M, but we're called, we're called Walmart Wolverines in this part of the country, but (laughs) I did one Michigan road trip to Notre Dame. I love the campus. I it's, it's weird. I've I've been to South Bend uh, several times, but only to the campus once. And it's, it really is terrific. Anybody who's a fan of college sports, especially college football, gosh, what what an experience!
1: Yeah, likewise. I mean, at the at the big house in Michigan too. But yeah, the uh, yeah, it was it was fun going to school there. I mean, incredibly sheltered, incredibly bubbled experience. Mm-hmm. Like that, I didn't really notice until after I left. Obviously, that's how that stuff works. But um, yeah, it was. I grew up a huge Notre Dame fan. My parents both went to Notre Dame. So, being able to go there was, was pretty awesome and, uh, yeah, it's it was a great it was a great time. We just I don't lost, know that I'm using the education
0: <laughs> Well, the one the one game I went to, and for our non sports fans on the on the comedy podcast, their their eyes are glossing over. But my <laughs> one trip to, to to see the Wolverines in South Bend was one of the best football games I've ever seen. Denard Robinson had like 400 yards of total offense. God, I know the exact
1: game you're talking your, about. Your,
0: your huge ass tight end who ended up playing for the Vikings was just an, yes, we couldn't we we couldn't defend him, but it went back and forth and I, I think michigan won maybe 41 to 39 at the very end but uh, yeah. it was very nice and i've got to say the fans were cool and classy it, it's not like a, a road trip to east lansing or or columbus where you <laughs> take your life in your own hands well
1: I, yeah i think it's so funny like the, no like you know there's a lot of hate between notre dame and michigan be a quote unquote because of the rivalry but then it's like you know the the second that it got postponed when we didn't play for like four years or five years, everyone was so upset. Like, I think, I think when it came back, I agreed. Like it was the most cordial. It was very fun, but it was like, we were partying with michigan fans all weekend because it was kind of like we're just glad, glad to be back
0: you know well, and i think there's a lot of mutual respect because both programs and schools for the most part do things the right way i mean there's a lot of hypocrisy yes there's you know uh college sports is big business and um yeah you know they they certainly relax their standards for for talented athletes but in context of, of how much of a criminal enterprise college football has become. <laughs> Michigan, Notre Dame, Northwestern, Stanford. You know, there's still some some people who said Good I, schools. I, I made the same comment. I met a Miami Hurricanes fan a couple of years ago. Interesting guy. And I made the same comment. I made a comment to him about, do you have a problem supporting such a criminal organization? And he got so offended. He's like, <laughs> name me, name me one thing. Miami Hurricanes ever does. Well, how about Luther Campbell buying players? Okay, other than that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's like at one point half of them were like, had like felonies as well. That was the old like Catholics versus Conference. Right, yeah.
0: Which is a great 30 for 30. Oh, that's a great one. All right, we're going to get protest comments from. I hate when they talk sports. So I'm going to bring it back. I know we've got to wrap. And I I just got, I've got a curiosity that um, I picked up from our um, pre interview. But you're one of the guys, you, you you started, in my opinion, one of the great comedy cities in America, Chicago. Such a fruitful scene. So many great comics coming out there. You're New York-based now, but you're going to do Time in L.A. You you, you said you, it, it may only be a year. What's the what's the rationale? Is it is it more of a writing TV gig that you're hoping to land or just better exposure for your stand-up?
1: So, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, just to, to give Chicago its due, I think I agree. It's like the best city. I mean, doing shows in Chicago is like a cheat code. It's so fun. It's the best audiences. There's just like a certain point where you, you got to go to, to either New York or LA. Um, and, uh, I was, uh, I was originally just going to go straight to LA. There's just a lot of the people that I work with, uh, that can like put me in higher positions in the industry Mm -hmm. are in LA. So it's a lot of people that have been saying, come out here, We'll, we'll hook you up and I'm kind of going to go there and just call their bluff and say, Hey, I'm here now. Uh, and, and let's do this thing, but I had a bunch of East coast stuff this spring. So I figured I'd, I'd come put some roots down in New York first. So I've been here for two and a half months. Um, and then, uh, this weekend at, at the Comedy Castle kind of kicks off like six weeks of on the road. And then, um, and then I'm landing in LA at the end of July. So yeah, it's, uh, it's just uh, doing a little bit of both coasts. Um, New York is amazing. I said like a year out in LA cause I I just want to kind of go see what I can drum up out there Mm -hmm. and then, I think long-term New York is, is probably the move. It's uh, It's been amazing
0: out here. Yeah, it's like any other profession too. You don't burn bridges. You make connections. You never know when you'll circle back around to something. New York's still going to be there if L.A. doesn't pan out the way you want. I love, right. New York overwhelms me. It always, it always has. I love it, but it overwhelms me. L.A. is much more my style. I lived out there for three years and had the time of my life and I always say oh, I, I moved back to this tropical, crime-free paradise of Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sure have enjoyed this I'm glad we were able to connect and work it out. I hope it. I hope to make it up one of the nights uh, uh, this weekend and say hello. If I don't, I hope we bump into each other out on the road at some point in time. But
1: uh, yeah, please do. Yeah, Tim Smith, who's coming with me, is my podcasting and web series co-creator. He's he's featuring all weekend, and he's one of the funniest people I know. So. It'll be uh, it'll be a great time. Yep,
0: they'll be awesome. They'll all be awesome show. So thanks again for doing this, Tommy. All the best, and uh, we'll see you out there. All right, thanks, Tom. And there you have it. Thanks to Tommy, and for I'm going to be preemptive here. If anyone gives me shit for mispronouncing Tommy's name, it really it looks easy <laughs> when I'm looking at it right here in front of me, Tommy Schneeman. But it is not the easiest name in the world to say. So I botched it a little bit. Uh, But there you have it. Tommy Schneeman, proper pronunciation. Thanks to Tommy. Thanks to all of you who support the show on a weekly basis. Make sure you keep spreading the word. Subscribe, like, leave us a comment. We'll keep bringing you the top comics in America on a weekly basis as they come through one of the top comedy clubs in America, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, my home club. Give a plug to my most recent album, and to date my only album it's called say it don't spray it really proud of it recorded right here at mark ridley's comedy castle last summer released right around the holidays if you haven't given a world please do so you can find it on all streaming platforms itunes apple music spotify tom mccarthy say it don't spray it check it out support Thank you to all of you. Thank you to Joel Fregemini, who makes the show sound so terrific for us each and every week. And until next time, this is Tom McCarthy for Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast.